With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain Westwire football podcast. MWWire.com, you can reach us that way. You can send us a Facebook messenger message on Mountain Westwire Facebook. I never promoted that before, Matt, but you can. You can send us a message on Facebook if you want, right? Yeah, you can tell us how amazing we are, or you can give us five stars on your podcasting platform of choice and praise us there. That's true. You can also um, do five stars on Facebook page. We have a couple. Um, Twitter, MWC Wire. I put a post. I'll monitor this during the show. We're doing this Thursday morning. I don't know if you saw the tweet I posted. I'm like, can we get to 2,200 followers within an hour? Fingers crossed. Granted, we were like 10 away. <laughs> we are currently six away right now. So thank you for those people in the last few minutes who have uh, liked our page and retweeted. And yeah, you know what's funny about Twitter? Um, what's that? There's a, a particular Wyoming fan who follows us but doesn't care for us at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably see who that is. Yes. Why do you follow us? Uh, because I replied in a comment because one of our boys, you guys, like something about their power rankings and Wyoming's near the bottom because they haven't been playing all that great. And the response is, because I guess you take what you can get, where Leafs didn't get beat up by some other school. It's like, well, Oklahoma State was ranked. It's a road game. They're pretty good. And you beat Warford by three points. So, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, even though Wyoming's not playing this week, I think the overall picture of the Cowboys right now is that they're just a little bit uneven. And I think the way that things have progressed in the first few weeks is that it's basically like, you know, the defense carrying the offense, which we all, I think, kind of mm-hmm. anticipated a little bit. Like, they've had above-average field position relative to the, to the national average. They've been decent at finishing scoring opportunities. They're 56th uh, in that category. But then when you go by the five factors over a football study hall, you look at efficiency and explosiveness, and they're 106th and 118th, respectively. Yeah, and, that was and, my... and if and if they can't drag that number up in in non in conference play rather, then you know they're going to have a hard time winning games consistently. The defense is going to give them a chance, but the offense could, you know, it could drag them out of some games they might otherwise win. That's my point. I'm like, come on, you do, your defense is amazing. Score some points. It's just funny when like, look who's chiming in. I'm like, well, you follow us, and we were in a post you replied to, and so. But still, yeah. you're right. Like. It's it's just kind of odd when I like. Do you follow people you hate on Twitter or don't care for? No, Me no, I don't. There's there's not enough time in my life to do that. I may search out certain things if I know they tweet dumb stuff just because. Every now and then, like maybe once a week, just to just, or I mean, I, like every, like every time someone tries to claim UCF's the national champion. I don't search that deep. I I do that. But typically, but typically we I will see it because it's a retweet from somebody else. I'll see it that way. I'm like, oh, okay, that guy. Let's see what else they're up to. It's just any anytime the American puts out a statement about how great they are. And I love Chris Vanini, but come on, man. Talk Context. About, talk Context about, is everything. Talk about the whole whole group of five stuff. You do a good job with the athletic. I've worked with him. I know him a little bit. Like, I know he just retweeted per the release, but see that's the problem too. We can get into this as well since we have a few games this week, so we can banter. And this goes back to media day where the question was asked, so how should we promote the league? 
crickets, crickets, crickets. Bob Davey stumbles over an answer and recovers to okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, come on, folks. Um, since we mentioned bye week teams, we should mention who's on a bye. Let's see if That's I can, true. let's see if I can get this right because I Wyoming is on a bye. I'm pretty sure. Correct. Yes. Um, Fresno State's on a bye. Yes. Boise State's on a bye. Yes. San Jose State's on a bye. Mm-hmm. Um, Utah State plays. No, not a bye. Um, who they do. And who who am I missing? Is that everybody? You are missing New Mexico. Oh, sorry, it was Bob Davies. The fight in Bob Davies, which they need a week off to see if uh, Tuviato is uh, healthy to play when they suit up for the next game. So, exactly. Let's just get to the games itself. We'll do. We'll have some Boise because we have a lot of extra Boise riders this year, which is awesome. Appreciate that. We'll have some bye week stuff Thursday or Friday. So look out for that. But Nevada Toledo first game of the day. 9 a.m. Pacific. So dang, Wolfpack fans. Um, I guess uh, early breakfast, or I don't know. It's a uh, that's their second 9 Pacific game. How, how are you going to be prepared for that 9 a.m. Pacific game, Matt? You up and going? You, I roll. Oh well, yeah, I base, I'm basically out of bed every morning. I work on Saturdays, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but I'm out of bed at like six in the morning every day anyway, so you, it's not you, a big deal. You are up fairly early most times. Yeah. I used to be. Now I try to sleep in maybe till seven thirty, but that's it's better than five thirty when I used to have to wake up every day. But I miss I miss those days. Seven thirty. <laughs> 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 I know what you mean when I was doing five fifteen, five thirty. But this is Nevada at Toledo. Um, it's at the Glass Bowl, which is a great stadium name. Ten and a half point favorite for the uh, Rockets there. CBS Sports Network. That's right. CBS Sports Network or Fubo Free Trial. That'll be on our How to Watch post. So if you want to change your email every week like I do, go for it. That's fine. They don't check, apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my delay of stalling from actually paying for it is going to possibly go um, in perpetuity. We'll see. So what Nevada team's going to show up, Matt? Because they've um, the competition they've played, because we got to give credit, obviously, to Vanderbilt, who's nearly beat Notre Dame, and they're actually – Better than they typically have been with Derek Mason. They're not the four to four win team. They're actually pretty good. Oregon State's a, a dumpster, and they beat them. Held off a rally, thirty-seven, thirty-five. This, I think, Nevada's in trouble in this game because uh, Toledo, you know, the Rockets are. They actually have a um, really good offense. They pass a lot. They don't have Logan Woodside, but it doesn't seem to matter. They're still two and one, but or excuse me, one and one. They lost to a Miami last week, which some people are hoping for an upset, but. This is going to feature a lot of points. Probably. Probably? Hmm. Probably. I mean, we just talked about a we talked about Wyoming a minute ago and what kind of team they've been in 3 weeks. I think you could say that Nevada's been basically the opposite of that where the offense has really led the defense so far. You know, the, as far as the defense is concerned, you know, I think it's a plus that they've been able to create turnovers. You know, they're they're at zero in the turnover margin on the year. But I think it does help that they have six interceptions. And even though they haven't forced, they haven't recovered any fumbles yet, you know, obviously they've been forcing them. So they've been creating opportunities for themselves that they weren't always doing last year. But we talk about explosiveness, you know, which is basically just the, the ability to create a big play, you know, 15 yards or more Mm -hmm. on offense. They're 19th after three games. That's pretty good. And on defense, they're 109th, which is not so good. No, it's not, out of uh, 130, so. So going back to your original point about there being probably lots of points in this game, yeah. Well, the over-under, um, I shoot, I had it here. It is, because uh, line's 10.5. Over-under is set at 67.5. Uh, 67.5? 67 67 
That's a lot that of seems points. A, that seems a touch low. You think it's low? I think so. Well, Toledo's played VMI where they scored 60, uh, 66, 24 versus an OK Miami team. Um, but it looks like they have no defense either. So maybe you're right. Maybe so. Would you put? What would you? What would be your tipping point? Seventy-five. Probably, yeah. Because the predictions, we'll get to the actual. What I do, my typical. Hey, number fire says this. Team ranking says this. They are all at about actually slightly below that number, surprisingly. Mm. But I guess when the over under set at sixty-seven and a half, that's what you do. Um, I am wondering. I want to see Nevada's offense because they haven't actually had like that huge game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they played Portland State week one, but that doesn't really count. I want to see what they did last week when they were playing Colorado State Air Force when they were putting up 40-something points. Did they nearly beat Utah State last year? Was that one of those games as well where they kind of just um, had to – it was a shootout, I believe? I don't have last year's uh, schedule in front no, of me. I don't remember. Sorry, apologies. No, it was um, CSU. Hawaii was sort of at 35-21, so they did not play the Aggies. But I want to see one of those games. Maybe not defensively, but I want to see them – have Ty Gangy go for like 350 yards in a game. Well, I think what this game is going to come down to ultimately is which ride, which wide receiver unit does more for their quarterback. Because you know, on the one hand, you look at Nevada, for instance, they're going to be without Brendan O'Leary Orange. He's still recovering from that scary injury he had last week against Oregon State. But the nice thing if you're a Nevada fan is, you know, it's not a problem. You just plug one or two more young guys in there. <laughs> and, you know, I think this is maybe a good opportunity to talk about some of those guys who have really stepped up in these first few weeks. Because obviously we know McLean Mannix gets the majority of the headlines and for good reason. Like he's number one on the team in targets. But Caleb Fossum has been pretty solid so far this year. 13 catches, 200 yards. And between the two of them, if you if you look at their stat profile that Bill Connolly put out there th- – the, the difficulty level is pretty high because Mannix's yards per target is over 11, and so is Fossum's. And, you know, even if O'Leary's not in the starting lineup, they have another freshman, Romeo Daubs, who's caught two passes and averaged about 15 yards, 16 yards in the last couple of weeks against Vanderbilt and Oregon State. So losing a playmaker like O'Leary Orange may not be as big a deal as it would be otherwise. But then you look at Toledo's wide receiver unit, and this is one of the best units in the group of five, period. Typically every you know? year they are almost. Yeah, because, and not only because you know, that's something that the program's been well known for, but this is maybe like the most experienced wide receiver unit in any of any group of five team. And it all starts with the big threesome of Deontay Johnson, John Bay Johnson, and Cody Thompson. Johnson, Between, Johnson, Johnson, Thompson, your local law firm in Toledo. Go check them out. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> all, and all three of those guys, we talk about yards per target. You know, Deontay Johnson's yards per target right now is almost 18. So they're kind of breaking things open. Their yards per catcher, uh, 22.4, 24.5, 17.4. And maybe some of that is skewed a little bit because of their blowout win against VMI. But... The guys in that Wolfpack defensive backfield, Jawan Dotson, Daniel Brown, Burdale Robbins and company, those guys are going to need to be ready because this might be the best unit they face all year long, and that includes Fresno State and Hawaii. Yeah, well, really quick, Deontay Johnson, six for 119, two touchdowns versus Miami. So he was had a pretty big game trying to see who else. He, the other guys didn't do all that great, but he showed up in that Miami game, so that's VMI to skew it, but 
doing what he did versus the games. That's a pretty big deal for Deontay. So this will be like this unit. They're not to say that they're always good, but they're they're good in group of five. They're probably one of the better groups beyond that in the country. Just because, yes, it's part of the offense. Like end of the year, Cole McDonald, Hawaii, he'll be probably have one of the most yards in the country because of what the offense they play. But that's a one of your fluke at the moment. Toledo always has these guys, and. Do we trust in Nevada secondary? I know they got Damian Baber, but he hasn't really been amazing in a year or two since a freshman year's been okay. Nevada's defense is always suspect, and so maybe you're right. Maybe it should be 75 over under, and it'd be like a 40 to 45 40 game or something, or 40 35. But the nice thing, if you're a Nevada fan, is also that Toledo's defense, their own pass defense, is it's okay. It's not great. And they did get picked apart a little bit by, by Miami last weekend. You know, they do have a couple playmakers on their defense. You know, Jamal Hines, the defensive end freshman. You know, he's got two and a half tackles for loss and a sack. Um, they have, I mean, they haven't really been that disruptive now that I'm looking at their Havoc stats. As a team, they only rank 101st in the country. So if they can give Ganji time to throw, which that's another credit to the Nevada offense, they've been able to do that more often than not in the early going. His sack rate right now is only about 4%, which is a net positive. So if they give him time to throw and the receivers can get open, Nevada's definitely going to have a chance in this game. They are, but like I said earlier, I want to see them actually have a big output against the Sorry, Portland State, but you know what I mean, but an actual FBS team. Yeah. And when you look what, like what you said, Miami, what they did against uh, Toledo, I think the 10.5 is too much because I think it'll come down to what defense plays better. Because I think both teams will score points. Even the team that loses will probably still have maybe 28 points minimum, I'm thinking. So it's going to come down to can Bleak Reed or somebody in the bad defense make a stop? Or does Toledo get a turnover or do something on defense to stop the Nevada offense? Because this could be like drive for drive, point for point the whole game. I think it's going to come down to what defense makes a play, whether it's a turnover or short field or even a defensive score. I think that's what's going to be the difference in this matchup. Yeah, and I mean, going back to your point about do you trust this Nevada secondary? No. I mean, I think the the most accurate answer the most accurate answer is yes and no because if you look at the splits, for instance, between the first half and the second half of this year, you're talking about some pretty significant differences. Like the completion percentage for opponents in the first half against Nevada, sixty three point eight. In the second half, that drops eleven points to fifty two point seven. Can I counter when you're losing by so many points, you're just going to run the ball? I mean, I think that that's a fair point, but the but the attempts, the the split in attempts is not so wide that I think it's insignificant. You know, the pa- overall passer rating drops by about forty points, mm-hmm. and they just get they've just been tougher in the second half of games. So I think what's this is ultimately going to come down to, because I do think Toledo's definitely going to lead with the pass. Is the secondary is just going to have to win a couple of those early drives to give the offense a chance to get out in front. You know, one issue is they have 10, if I'm reading this correctly, here's an issue too. They give it too many deep plays, 10 plays of 25 plus or more yards Yeah. in the air, 22, 15 or more. That's not like San Jose State or Hawaii bad or even CSU, but it's pretty, pretty poor. They can, this can't give up big plays. That's going to be, if they could somehow keep stuff underneath, 10 yard, you know what I mean, just reasonable. They're going to have big plays occasionally, but 25, they have what, 20, uh, what did I say, 20 of those? Is that right? Oh, no, excuse me. Uh, where did I go here? Sorry, I, I'm shuffling my um, 
figure 10. That's three game, more than three game. They need to have like one at most. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like you can't give all the give those up those deep plays. So they keep stuff underneath, and that's kind of what they have to do. Toledo's known for big plays. Like they throw the ball downfield. That's what they want to do. Oh yeah. And, and I maybe, but again, like you mentioned, having the slow the slow start defensively, maybe mix up the defensive play calling. Do something a bit different to maybe get a pass rush or pick something that'll help out. Either get a pass rush or maybe if you have to. Add another DB for a little bit just to see, like a nickel, a little bit more often. Because Toledo's going to run out three to four wide receivers more more often than not. So they may have to have that extra DB anyways, maybe if they have the depth to do it, which not all not, not always the case. But something needs to be done early on to not allow teams to complete like what sixty, would say sixty four percent of their passes in the first half. Uh, yeah, sixty, yeah, sixty four. But that's the thing, though. It's not like the pass rush has been non existent for this team. You look if you look at Nevada's havoc rate mm-hmm. compared to Toledo's. As a team, they're nearly in the top 40. And it's not just guys like Malik Reed who are getting it done. You know, they have multiple guys who have at least one or two sacks so far. And, you know, someone like Burdale Robbins, for instance, he'll, even though he only has one interception so far, he has five pass breakups. So, again, it comes down to not only continuing to create opportunities for themselves, but, you know, maybe a little bit of luck that they just haven't had so far. Because, like I said, they've forced fumbles they're over this year and if they can turn that around you know that's the kind of thing where you know, basically everything up to recovering a fumble is a skill and if you're if you ever read football outsiders almanac you'll you know that already well, but that's something also, to pay attention to here's the thing you know the shape of football is not round it's oblong oh so, yeah so that's why it's, it's hard to get those um have you seen um nevada has a turnover towel is that a thing that is a new thing yes does everybody have a thing Everybody's gonna have a thing if they don't have one already. What if you don't have a thing? Shouldn't that be the new thing? I just want to know who's gonna buck the trend and get like an offensive thing. Like when you score a touchdown, you get to go like sit on a, I don't know, a touchdown something. We'll a, think a touchdown beanbag or something. <laughs> that's Brad. That's exactly what you need. Just go, just go jump onto it. It's like the um, you know some stadiums have like the best seat in the house, which really isn't the best seat in the house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like the recliner in the end zone. It's like, I can't see anything. What are you doing? The, t- the touchdown bouncy castle. There you go. Something like that where you score a touchdown and just kind of go hang out in the corner. Like you, you catch the fade route, you're in bounds, you just fall right in the beanbag in the corner. <laughs> if, if, if you see it on television in two or three weeks, you know you heard it here first. Hey, send us a check, team, team A, whichever yeah, does it yeah. first. So I just happened to look over at the Arena Gazette. I'm like, oh, turnover towels. All right. Um, so what's your prediction? It's uh, Nevada minus ten and a half, or plus, uh, excuse me, Toledo minus ten and a half on the road. What are you doing? Have you made your pick, official picks yet on our spreadsheet? I'm making them as we go. I like Nevada to cover the ten and a half, and I ultimately think this is going to be a track meet. But I think Toledo is going to be able to do enough to pull it out. There's going to be a lot of points in this game, so I'd say take the over, yeah. take Nevada and the points. But if you're going straight up. I have Toledo forty-two to thirty-eight. I think Toledo as well. I picked. I had the same thing with you. Nevada will cover, but I think it'll be like uh, forty-two thirty-five. This is low key going to be one of the most fun games of September. It's going to be one of the best. Ga- yeah, and of the week. Just saying, exactly. like how many games are at ten a.m. Um, or excuse me, well, t- my time zone, the noon Eastern block, nine Pacific. That's good. Typically, it's a stupid Big Ten game. I guess technically. Is the uh, no? Sorry, I think in Texas OU. Speaking of that, did you see FS1 having a two-hour pregame for 
Texas, Oklahoma. <laughs> Nobody asked for that. <laughs> Not even Texas fans asked for that. By the way, uh, S&P Plus has this game at Toledo 44, Nevada 26. So I think we both think it's going to be a little closer than that. Okay. Um, there's going to be some competition just really quick for Saturday morning. Um, Notre Dame at Wake Forest is that 9 a.m. Pacific kick. That could be some interest, possibly. Nebraska's terrible at Michigan. Those are two named teams, but uh, Nebraska's awful. And it's a ranked team. So there's a couple games. I, I'll bet good money Toledo, Nevada will rival either of those games. Mm-hmm. Just because, I guess Georgia, Missouri, but Missouri's, yeah, they're 3 0, I guess, so there's something. But there's a couple games, but we'll keep our eye on Nevada Toledo over on CBS. So next game. FCS action, Illinois State at Colorado State, um, 1 p.m. Uh, Mountain Time, AT&T Sportsnet, I believe is the channel it's on, so check that out. Let me ask you this, Matt. How many um, under center plays or how many snaps or passes will Colin Hill get? Is he going to get like a, too many snaps again? I guess I should say off the bat that he is going to get some snaps. If, if you're forcing me to choose a number, I'm going to say somewhere between 12 and 15. But I'm also really hoping that it's not going to matter because Colorado State comes out and plays with a vengeance. They should. They're playing like Illinois State. They're in the Missouri Valley. They played. You mentioned they played with or before they played North Dakota State, that conference. And how good are they? You chatted with a guy for a little bit. What did they have to say, kind of about who this FCS the Redbirds are? Because isn't also a Stanford coaching there, or is that Indiana State? I think that's Indiana State. I'm not okay. sure. All right. So, but, I mean, ISU's been – they've been fine so far. They've only played two games. One of them was a blowout win against St. Xavier, which I think is like NAIA or oh something boy. like that. Sheesh. But they also had a big win last week against Eastern Illinois, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. So the offense does have some nice pieces. You know, the one guy I think you're going to want to watch out for if you're a Colorado State fan is Spencer Schnell. He's been their number one target. He can kind of take the top off the defense if you're not careful. And his numbers are skewed a little bit because he does have a 97-yard passing t- or receiving touchdown this year. But he's still averaging over 16 yards a catch. And their top three guys, Schnell, Braxton Haley, and Andrew Edgar, are all averaging over 15 yards per catch. But I don't know if the defense is going to be able to keep up with that because you know, they have a couple playmakers – you know, Zachary Matthews, for instance, has three tackles for a loss and a sack. But if you look at the two deep, like I have, you'll see that there's a lot of young pieces on both sides of the ball. And that's the kind of thing where with all of the offensive talent, especially that Colorado State has, this should be another big game for Carter Samuels and Preston Williams. And, you know, fingers crossed, it's the kind of game where they can put forth those big performances without necessarily being under the gun for 60 minutes or playing from behind for 60 minutes that's a good point i so what i want to see for the rams on this because they should we're both gonna say they're gonna win they should win right that's the yes. case i want to see a, you say carter samuel's a big game i want to see the running backs have something big is matthews marvin kinsey whoever they put out there have a huge game running them because they haven't done that this year that's been one of their things where we all say they have the depth. It seems like they do, but the running game hasn't been overly impressive. Part of yeah. it is when you're down big to Arkansas, when you're down big to Hawaii, when you're down big and can't move the ball versus Colorado, you're losing, you have to pass. This mm-hmm. is a game where I want to see them just run the ball and run it well. I don't think that's too much to ask for, and they should they should make that emphasis in this game, like run, figure out the running game and get things going. I would definitely agree with that. 
I don't, is there anything else we need to mention? Because this is an FCS game. We've already spent four minutes on it. I mean, to kind of emphasize your point, it's worth noting that KJ Carter Samuels right now, after and some of yeah, it's skewed because of the fact that they played four games. But the only quarterback in the FBS who has more pass attempts so far Cole is Gardner oh. Gardner Minshew. Actually, nah. McDonald is third. Okay, Minshew of uh, oh shoot, he's uh, Washington Wazoo. State. Wazoo, that's yeah. right. I'm like not East Carolina. That's where he's at before. So all right, so do you think the Rams will win big? I'm assuming. I'm um, yeah. I'm thinking they're going to win pretty comfortably. All right, one one real last quick note. One um, headline I saw the Colorado, which is never what you want to see. Few signals point to Colorado State turning their season around. Oh, <laughs> that's not what you want to see. So yeah. All right, next game. Let's move on here. Um, UNLV Arkansas State. This will be a sneaky good game. It's I definitely a, agree. I um I I'm, gl- I'm glad it's not on the well. It could have been on ESPN Plus, but it's on ESPN three, so you still need a subscription or password to uh, some TV provider or again, free trial and food books. ESPN comes with it. Just saying, um, UNLV at Arkansas state sunbelt. Uh, it's a, uh, 4 PM Pacific kickoff. Interesting afternoon, evening game. Did you know, you probably do know, cause you spoke with our buddy, Jeremy Harper is that Arkansas state has won or shared five of the past seven sunbelt titles. They're pretty good. Yeah, they are. And they beat Utah state a couple years ago. Um, didn't they almost beat Boise State recently? I don't or, think so. No. Or they played each other recently. I'll go with that, right? Because I'm trying to remember. I don't remember that off the top. Because that's where Brian Harson was the head coach previously. Um, here's mm. the thing: their offense is good. So disregard that 57 to seven loss to Alabama because they'll do that against 98 percent of the teams in the country this year. Yeah, I mean, I think if you want to try to gauge UNLV's chances, like you don't look at the Alabama game; you look at the Tulsa game, mm-hmm. where they were a lot more balanced. And, you know, even though Tulsa, according to, to Jeremy, really made Harper try to beat them with his arm, you know, on the whole, he's having a pretty good year. Like his numbers are slightly down from where they were uh, on the whole season a year ago, but he's still completing 58% of his passes. He still has, you know, a trio of pretty good receivers led by Justin McInnes. He's their number one guy. He's averaging around 11 yards per catch. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, and I think this is ultimately what the game is going to come down to is they've got a stable of running backs that are just as deep and probably as talented as UNLV's own. You know, they, he mentioned uh, our guy, Jeremy mentioned Warren wand, for instance, five, five, one eighty four, but he's kind of their lead back and he's averaging 4.8 yards per carry. And so is Marcel Murray. And so is Armand Weiwei. And so is Hanson himself. They're all averaging at least 4.8 yards per carry. So this is a dangerous running game that, you know, when I'm thinking about UNLV's defensive line being pushed around a little bit when it comes to, you know, the ground game, you know, if they can't get off the field, it's going to be a really interesting game because I think both of these teams are going to be able to assert themselves on the ground. And they're kind of, not to say they're similar with each other, but they sort of are because they can mention Hanson can run the ball, Rodgers can run. The deep running back group you mentioned, three guys plus a QB, Lexington Thomas, Charles Williams, and um, receiving core, they have two main guys. But then again, like Omar Bayless, number three guy, is averaging 20 yards a catch. Mm-hmm. I know one's a 54-yarder, but look how many deep balls they have. So that's going to test the secondary as well. They have four passes of uh, at least four, 36, 35-plus yards. They have a 50, two 50-yarders, a 60-plus yarder. These guys are—they want to throw the deep ball, and that's another. That's what you do when you have a good running game. Let's just uh, run the ball, run the ball, 
suck in the defense, play action, and go over the top. Well, the the big difference between these two teams, though, what's that? Is like we know Arkansas State has playmakers on their defensive line. That's true. Because right now, as a unit, they rank fourth nationally in havoc rate, and it all starts with you know big guys up front. Forrest Merrill, four tackles for loss, two and a half sacks. Kevin Thurman, three and a half tackles for loss. You know the, those guys in the middle, and even Dejon Emery, for instance, on the end, he has three and a half tackles for loss and two sacks. So they've got talent up there, and they might be able to disrupt the UNLV running game in a way that we we didn't see it too often last year. But you know, Fresno State was able to do it. San Diego State was able to do it. You know, good defensive lines can shut this UNLV team down if they're not careful. I think so. And then looking real quick over at the Las Vegas Review Journal, they have a piece out over by Mark Anderson. Basically saying they need to get more pressure on the quarterbacks. Yes. And so it looks like they're going to try to do a scheme to probably adjust a little bit because they say the pass first has improved. Okay, coach speak, whatever. Um, guys are getting older. They're getting better, Sanchez said the other day. And so it looks like they want to just be more aggressive. And it maybe takes a couple games to get to get to, get to that point. It's not going to be perfect um, week one or week two. It maybe take a couple weeks to get in the groove to know exactly what you want to do and how well you can do it. And if that shows up, maybe that'll be a thing. Because remember, versus USC, I know USC isn't great this year. They did some. They made a, a decent amount of stops on third down because USC wasn't able to move the ball all that great. It took a late f- second half surge to make the game look a bigger blow than what it was. And then versus UTEP, UTEP's not very good, but their defense made a few plays. So this is a team where this is probably like one of the most even teams they'll play all year because – like the seven and a half point line, I think is a bit too much for this game. Cause I think UNLV's beyond that. There's nothing that gets Arkansas state clearly, but I say these teams are pretty like when they finish the season, Arkansas state probably, probably will have more wins. These two teams line up, they match up well with each other and they're basically the same skill level. In my opinion, overall, like when you, there's edges here and there, but I, I would just say this is going to be a much closer to that seven point line right now. Here's the thing I think is going to make the biggest difference in this game. And it might seem totally obvious, but is Armani points. Rogers going to Who's going to score more points? Is Armani <laughs> Rogers? Well, yeah. Sorry, is Rogers ahead. going to crack 50%? What is he at right now? What is right he? now he's at 47.5. That's not and, good. you know, to his credit, he's been a little bit better about you know, creating explosive plays. Like he's averaging 12 yards completion. That's still pretty good. And only one pick too. So, and only one pick, but his sack rate is still pretty high. It's right around 11 and a half percent right now. So that could improve a little bit. And while, yeah, you can make the argument he's done a lot with his legs. He's averaging nearly a first down every time he tries to carry the ball after you adjust for sacks and everything. Mm-hmm. But I think they're going to need to create that big play through the air. And, you know, I still believe in the talent they have at wide receiver. We just haven't really seen them create those big passing plays consistently. Like we saw it a couple times against USC. Maybe not so much in the last couple weeks against Prairie View and UTEP. Well, UTEP, so I, they ran the ball. He only threw 13 times. And so that's part of it yeah. too. Like, And then Prairie View, yeah, I'd have liked him not to go 11 of 21, maybe 16 to 21. So – you're right, though. He's still, even though we've seen it, he hasn't done it this year. Going against against USC, okay, forty percent, forty four is not great by any means, but again, six touchdowns, one pick. He's running the ball well. They need to either protect him or maybe he's taking too long to make find the guy inside to run, or not taking too long, but taking not waiting long enough and taking off for a, a run if one of his 
excuse me, one of his receivers or his number one guy's not open. Maybe he needs to be more patient. Look, okay, one, two, three, go back to number one, go back to number two if he has the time to make those plays. So I think this is a game where it'll be he'll have enough pass attempts so we'll kind of know more of what he is in the year two as a starter. Yeah, here's what I think one of the most telling stats that I think backs up why I think Rodgers throwing the ball is so important is if you look at the revamped stat profiles, one of the things that jumped out to me was how they've done on third down so far. And they've only faced third and short, which I believe is defined as four yards or less on 7% of their plays. And what stands out to me is that they have converted every single third and short that they've had this year. Oh, that's, right? pretty, that's pretty good. But when you compare that to third and long, they're 114th in the country as far as the number of third and longs they've had to face. Hmm. And their success rate is only 20%. So they've only converted one in five third and longs. And my thinking is that Arkansas State's going to be able to force them into more of those situations than they've been accustomed to in the past couple of weeks. And that's why I think Rogers is going to need to create plays through the air in order to overcome that. So who, who do you think is going to win that? I think this is another game where there's probably going to be a lot of points. But honestly, I kind of feel the same way about UNLV that I do about Nevada. I think Arkansas State has enough players on their defense where you know they're going to give up big plays here and there. But I do think they have enough on their offense to be able to kind of hold them off. So I like UNLV to cover, but I do like Arkansas State to win straight up. So I'm going to say 35-30. 35 All right, what did our buddy Jeremy Harper over at College Football News or Sunbelt Heat say? Uh, I don't have that in front of me. <laughs> oh, sorry. You know what I'm doing with? I'm going straight up UNLV. All right. They're going to win outright. It'll be close, though. It'll be because over under still 60, what, 66 and a half. It's mm. going to be like – that's a tough number. But I think it's going to be like – I'm going to go 30, 35, 30. All right. I know it's on the road. They haven't done it well. But I think UNLV's take taking the turn. And that this will be a game where it'll be another sneaky good game because Sun Belt, like South Alabama, does some weird stuff. Troy does some weird stuff to get some good wins. So I'm going Rebels to win because um, I believe in them. I guess. Yeah, SMP Plus, by the way, has it Arkansas State 34, UNLV 31. See, I'm gonna tell you. So it's about as good as a toss up. Toss up, and real quick, my oh, I need my pick center picture. Hold on, let me go back to Game Center here. Um, 36 29 for team rankings. Number fire, whew, they say blow up 41.6 to 28.3. Interesting. I'm not buying that one. All right. All right, next game. What do we got next year? We have Air Force at Utah State. Game of the week? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> what, 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 what other nominees do you have? I mean, I think they're all good games in their own right. They are. Being very diplomatic there, I see what you're doing. Yeah, but you're I, not. I, but I you're not. But you're not wrong either. There's some other good games. I'll give the edge because hey, it's a conference game, and I want to see what Utah State can do. We should probably mention it's at uh, 8:15 Mountain Time, 7:15 Pacific actually, on ESPN two. Actually, 8:30. It is 8:30. Which oh, okay, means, it's which, a, it's... which which means 8:47 kick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that works. So Utah State Air Force. Utah State is a two and one, a mere six points from being probably ranked twenty second in the country, and undefeated. And they are ten and a half point favorites. <laughs> they are, and they are scoring at will against anybody. I don't care if they play Tennessee Tech. He scores seventy three points. 
60 points versus New Mexico State. A solid 31 against Michigan State on the road. Air Force, on the other hand, is 1-1. One and one. They have uh, beaten only what the um, Stony Brook, right? 38-0? That's, that's right. Sorry, I think I'm like, it's FCS team. I know who it is. Uh, FAU, they played close. Um, one note, um, Air Force looks to have a new running back or a new starting running back. Or how do we phrase that? Cade Remsburg is the top of the depth chart. That's the best way to put it, right? Yeah, <laughs> tailback, right? Yes, tailback. It could be a fullback. You never know. Fullback could lead this team in rushing, right? It's happened really because the the depth chart I'm looking at still has Joseph Saucier at the top. Uh, is it an old depth chart? Because I have they, no idea. They There's repurp- no date on it. They repurpose the same one. I'm over what Brett Brigham in. He says Air Force sophomore Cade Remsburg brunch the front of the tailback competition. Well, there you go. So it's going to be a uh, multiple, um, which is no, which shouldn't surprise anybody. If they they could list four guys at or and any four of those could lead the team in rushing. That's, that's probably true. Yeah. So, and, or it could be that sneaky fullback who has three for 95 because the fullback dive one time goes for 86 yards. Um, I want to see for, I'm back on the Utah state side. They see like how high, well, actually, let me rephrase this. Where are they in your power rankings this week? We put our poll up. It's been published. Where did you, do you recall where you put the Aggies? I don't have it in front of me. I'm pretty sure I put the Aggies at four. Behind Boise, behind Boise, San Diego State, and Fresno State. Okay, I did the same thing. Um, I they actually ended up being fifth in their poll because um, two people put Hawaii number one. Not judging, well, just right. just saying, not judging, but just saying. I got my eye on you, whoever that is. We mm-hmm. so whatever. It's um, it's very close. So there's that's where I put them as well, right behind those three teams. And it'll be hard for me to get them past them until they actually play like Boise State later this year, which is the final week of the year. But I've been very impressed with Utah State because I said, show me a running game. They've been running the ball well. Their defense is improving quite a bit because they made some good stops versus Michigan State. They shut down, which is not hard, New Mexico State offense. Excuse me, offense. He's replaced everybody. But I'm wondering, do you remember this game last year, Matt, how crazy it was? I do. I mean, you could have said the same thing about Utah State going into this game last year. Yeah. Yeah. Impossible. Um, this game last year was like, well, they scored like twenty eight points in the fourth quarter, something nuts. Where I remember the turnover strip sack for a touchdown. It was it came down to the final moments of this game. It was like, oh, Utah State's done. No, they're bat not. There's a huge pass by Jordan Love, who, by the way, Jordan Love. I need to do my quarterback rankings. I think I'm going to do it now this week. He might be like top three quarterback in the conference. He might be, yeah. Because who who do you got for so far? Um, Barber's played pretty well. Um, would you put McMarion up there, even if you count his rushing statistics from the past couple weeks, or at least last? I week? mean, if it were me, I think the conversation consists of Ribbon, Donald, McMarion, Love, and Carter Samuels. Yeah, maybe Armani Rogers. Um, let's wait till Arkansas State on that one. At least I will. Yeah. So it's 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 uh, he's up there, which means which is a good thing because this league has always had a ton of great quarterbacks. Yeah, going back like David Fells, Derek Carr. There's a, there's always guys out there. Sorry to bring up those two names, but I that's what I thought of right mm-hmm. away. Uh, but last year's thirty eight, thirty five Air Force. Uh, I want to see Utah State run the ball and run the ball well because that's what they have never done and until like this year, until they had like even like I said, I always mentioned it, Devontae Mays. He's with the Packers now, or I think he's still on the Packers, right? He got drafted by the Packers. I'm pretty sure he's still there, yeah. Okay, I guess they're carrying four running backs with Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and Ty Montgomery. Wouldn't surprise me. But I want to see him do it against a really an FBS team, a really good one. 
Oh, and maybe not a really good one, but better than New Mexico State. And well, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remind you again that they were middle of the pack last year as far as yards per carry. I still didn't like what I saw running the ball. I'll use my eye test watching the game, Matt. It's okay. I will <laughs> say I was not impressed. That's what I'm saying. They okay. have that. I want something more consistent because remember last year? Oh, it's El Toro Allen. Oh, it's Lawan Hunt. It was never the guy we thought it would be. And maybe, maybe that's what I'm looking for. Give me consistency with one guy. I mean, I'm I'm looking for the opposite if I'm a Utah State fan. This is Jordan Love's game to lose. Because if you watched that game a couple of weeks ago against Florida Atlantic, you saw the Air Force secondary get picked apart. Yeah, that's true as well. And they haven't really shown much of an ability to put pressure on a passer so far. They only have, I think, three sacks as a team. And, you know, Chris Robeson, the Florida Atlantic quarterback, I think he only missed two or three passes in the entire first half. He was just mowing them down. And, you know, I don't know that there's any one guy in particular who's who they were picking upon. They were just being able to, you know, spread the field. And even though they shut down Devin, Devin Singletary two weeks ago, it didn't really matter because they were moving the ball so well through the air. So if I'm Jordan Love and I'm, I don't know, pretty much everybody on this Utah State receiving core, I'm kind of looking my chops at the opportunity to go out there and make big plays. No, that's a – spaced on me at the end of the week. Where, what was he, 22-25 in the first half? It was something like that, yeah. So, no, that's probably going to happen. I I don't know. Maybe I just I, I just want to see the running game be for real. They may not need it. But uh, it's a – so is this line – what's it, 10.5 right now? 11? Uh, let's see. 10.5 at the moment. Yes. Is that too, not enough for you? It sounds like you would like it to be bigger. I mean, if it were me, I think it should be bigger. Like what, two touchdowns? Maybe, yeah. Ooh, you think so? You is it? So was it because Air Force is not as good, or is he like Utah State that much? I just haven't seen enough from Air Force offensively, actually from both sides of the ball, to really be confident in their ability to keep up with Utah State. Because the other thing that Utah State has going for them so far that was you know hit or miss last year is they've been really disruptive as well, especially in that front seven and especially their linebackers. You know, we haven't maybe talked enough about Tipa Galei, who now has six tackles for loss on the year, three and a half sacks. You know, they have multiple guys with at least three tackles for loss, which is kind of rare, at least in the Mountain West so far. And they've got, you know, pretty much everybody on the defense has at least one tackle for loss. So they've been racking up the havoc rate, and it hasn't really been just because of one or two guys. And when you're thinking about, you know, an Air Force ground game that, hasn't been quite as efficient as they were in years past. Nope. Did you happen to see that article at SB Nation about the rule change that happened last year and trying to figure out exactly what's happened to triple option teams because of it? I heard, I was listening to the Solid Verbal the other day and they mentioned something about it, but I didn't realize the change. What exactly is that? So they, uh, all blocks below the waist now have to come within five yards of the line of scrimmage. And all blocks below the waist now have to come to the front or come from the front, excuse me, unless they're by offensive linemen while the ball is still inside the tackle box. So they, they had army as an example. And what they noted was that they've been called for seven illegal blocks in the first three games. Whereas last year in the entire season, they only had four. And so that is the kind of thing that directly affects air force as well. And when you look at what they've done on a, on a per play basis 
you know, their numbers are down from where they were a year or two ago. And, you know, especially for a team that thrives on staying on schedule on early downs, you know, the fact that they're only averaging 4.1 yards per carry on first, or excuse me, what was I looking at before? I'm trying to remember. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I think it was when I was, one of the things I wrote about was the fact that they've been good about, you know, finishing opportunities when they had them. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of you know having enough of those opportunities because their production on the opposite side of the field has gone way down. You know when when they're between the forties, they're averaging five point seven yards per carry. But once they get past the forty, that number drops to four point one. And when you compare that to where that was a year or two ago, they just aren't getting enough push relative to what they were before. And I don't know if that has to do with that rule change or anything like that. I don't know. If it just has to come down to, you know, stiffer defenses that they faced. But that's one of those things where if they can't turn it around and they have to settle for field goals, that could turn into a long afternoon, long evening real quick. So I'm reading the, yeah, I'm reading the rule thing. So it's basically you can't cut block because that's what it comes down to. Yeah. It's restricting where in the field you can do it. So were teams really cut blocking five yards down the line, down the field? Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like they're doing that often. But um, I guess now the way it really hurts teams is that because we've seen these teams, if you're doing the – because typically the option, you're not, it's unless you're in a fullback dive or you do the fake dive, step back, and then go forward the quarterback. Like where you could, it's always the option. You know, you know what I'm talking about, those type of plays. Yeah, yeah. So this seems to be what hurt teams that go wide more often than not because if you're outside the tackle box – you, you want to spread everybody out. You want to make a defender come to the quarterback, pick a guy, pick the pitchman, pick, are you going to get the one or one, sometimes two running backs are there to get the ball. So if you go super wide, even it's not even super wide, just a tackle box is not very far. That's considered tackle to tackle. Yeah. How are you going to, I don't know. It's interesting. I wonder why they did it. I assume it's a player safety thing. Probably. Yeah. But I had to look at it more closely. I knew there was something about a rule change. I didn't look into it that closely until I heard about it the other day. So, and it's below the waist. Not even from – it's always been illegal to block from behind to cut guys who aren't looking. Mm-hmm. That's pretty illegal. Okay, I'm just kind of thinking about this out loud. So that's – apparently so far it seems to have an impact, I guess, right? I, I'd i have to look more closely because I'm just spouting off reading and thinking out loud. So, But if that's the case – but let me ask you this. Let's move on to something more concrete, not me jabbering. Um. Who's the quarterback for Air Force? I'm looking around. Depth chart says or. I'm looking at um, kind of what they've been doing over at the uh, Colorado Springs Gazette. Is it going to be Sanders again this week? Because he got to start last week versus uh, Florida Atlantic or two weeks ago. I, I guess I wouldn't be surprised by either one. I think the reason I'm inclined to think it's going to be Sanders is because when they were trying to rally, he was just better throwing the football than Arian Worthman was in the opener against Stony Brook. He was 8 of 13 for 164 yards and a touchdown. And they need that big playability, or at least if if this game unfolds the way that I think it will, they're going to need that big playability. Well, and also last year he got to start in nearly versus Utah State. He played yeah. extremely well, so maybe there's that. Uh, one thing, too, to note, which is Air Force is doing the bye week, because Utah State, we see them going more plays quicker, a little more up-tempo. They which makes sense. That's all they've been doing all week. Yeah. So that may or may not work. It it's can't, can't hurt it clearly. Um, Cause here's the thing too, like um, really quick um, in three games, Matt Wells has had touchdown runs of 68 or not him, but the team obviously 
of four plays, like four huge plays, or five, six huge plays. So I don't know what I'm going here. This isn't worded properly. I should read stuff before I talk sometimes. <laughs> because I'm reading through what they wrote out there. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense at all. All I know, they're going fast, and I don't know. It's um, You're convincing me to pick Utah State big and change my pick a little bit here, Matt. Well, why don't you – you know, I'm not going to say anything else until you make your pick. I'm going to make you go first. All right. I was – my original pick this morning, Utah State to win by Air Force cover because Air Force typically plays well, but I didn't research well enough the uh, rule change, which has been impacting triple option teams. The line is – let me look at the over-under really quick as I'm stalling here. Um, it's what, 60, 60 points? I'm going to go 40 to 20 Utah State. All right. What do you got? So then you don't have them covering. I know I'm changing right now. Yes. Oh, okay. I said yeah because a, a couple you convinced me a few reasons why to take Utah State big. Yeah, I don't think this is just a good matchup for Air Force, and I do kind of expect the Aggies to go out there and win big. I'm going to say 41-17. 41-17. For Air Force to win the game, they need to have the running attack going on full cylinder. They basically just need to keep the offense off the field, which is kind of what they did in last year's matchup like they were outgained on offense but because they held the ball for so long and made the most of their opportunities they got away with one i just well, don't see that happening again well and they got that strip sack for a touchdown too late in the yeah game. so I, I just think utah state we should have listened more closely to aggie people out there they're going to challenge for this mountain division they're looking really good through three weeks i kind of expect them to look good again and where would you put this opponent would this be their number two opponent they faced all year Better than New Mexico State? Yeah, I think they are. Okay, just making sure. All right, final game of the weekend. It's no, late. no, there's two more. Oh, I thought Hawaii game was next. No, we got Eastern Michigan at San Diego State. Um, sorry, Aztec fans. They're going to hate me again now. Dang it. 7, 7.30 Pacific, 8.30 Mountain Time on CBS Sports Network. Home of Aztec football. Word. <laughs> if it's a night game and it's at home, it's at Qualcomm. I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody's complaining. Interestingly enough, the line has moved quite a bit for this game. It's currently 12. What was it previously? It it opened at 9.5. Huh. wonder why. And, a lot, and apparently, according to the betting trends, a lot of people are still putting money on Eastern Michigan. No, that'd be so the other that, way. That's that, it. That's that, it. Number, that number might go up more. Well, that's the other way around. They're putting money on the Aztecs. Oh, I, I might be looking at the wrong one. Well, no, it didn't. No, you're right. Because it says the spread is 77% on Eastern Michigan right now. No, that means people are betting them to cover the spread. Yeah, that's what I mean. So the number might go up even more. Right? Oh, uh, how it works. No, what it means, like, so if it's plus 12 for East, Eastern Michigan, if it's at nine and a half right now, which when it started, and it goes to San Diego State higher, that means more people are picking the Aztecs to win by more than that spread. Like, enough money's coming out for them to cover. They want to increase that to encourage betting on the Eastern Michigan side, which hasn't seemed to work. Oh, okay. That's uh, It actually opened at 8.5, not even 9.5. Opened at 8.5. Oh, okay. All right. So that's um, that's how that works. When you look at the percentage stuff like this, over at um, – I'm looking at the pick center for ESPN, the um, spread consensus pick, 54% favor of Eastern Michigan covering the spread. Hmm. I would expect um, – if it's this point, I would probably pick Eastern Michigan to cover the spread. Because what did I put in our post? Maybe mine's down. I have um, – I need to – hmm. I already locked in 10.5. Should I go with that or should we change to 12? No, no, no. We, we stick with what we put in there. I put that in this morning. It was 10.5 this morning, folks. Okay. It's, it's changed within like two hours. So I guess we'll go 10.5, which 
Okay, I can't get too caught up in this. All right, so let me tell you. Let me talk to you about this game, Matt. Ryan Agnew is he finally a quarterback that showed up for once? Yes and no. <laughs> He's be- He played better than I thought he did because heck, he beat Arizona State. I don't care what the last play was. It was still a close game, and who knows? That game would have gone to overtime, possibly. Or no, they would. Yeah, it could have gone to overtime. Who knows what would have happened? Arizona State was not guaranteed a victory, even if that catch was caught. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because Eastern Michigan's, you know, I don't know if they're going to challenge seriously for the MAC title or anything this year, but they might be like sneaky decent on both sides of the ball. And so this isn't the kind of uh, opposition that the Aztecs can't overlook. And to me, what stands out on the Eagles' offense relative to everything else that they've faced so far is the fact that they're running two quarterbacks. And both of them have played pretty well so far. Yeah. You know, Tyler, Tyler Wiegers and Mike Class have combined, I think, for seven or eight touchdowns against one interception. Seven, yeah. Seven. And so, you know, I think you start there, and they've mostly been pretty efficient. Like, Wiegers in particular is completing over three quarters of his passes so far. And while maybe their sack rate is a little higher than you would want it to be if you're an Eastern Michigan fan... You know, both of those guys have a sack rate north of 10%. So if I'm an Aztecs fan, I'm thinking that's good news for the pass rush, which at least in one week without Noble Hall did pretty well for itself. Mm-hmm. But I think it's ultimately going to come down to how well they can contain that passing game. Because, you know, obviously we all remember the Stanford game, but they did do a pretty decent job against Nkeel Harry in Arizona State last week. So I think there's some steps in the right direction. But the, the secondary is going to have to play up in order to keep Eastern Michigan at bay. Yeah, because you see um, they have three touchdown passes of 75 yards or more. Mm-hmm. They Also, one thing to note, too, Glass also runs pretty well, 106 yards on the ground and a couple touchdowns. That's true. So while he is not super accurate, just under 60%, he still has no picks, the most touchdowns on the team for passing, and also leads the team rushing with two and that could come with the pass rush, like you said, the sack rate where he has to run around and get open. But, heck, he has 100 yards in for QB through a couple of games. That's not bad. And, mm-hmm. heck, they beat Purdue. They nearly beat Buffalo, who's currently at 3-0. and So, Eastern Michigan, this is not the Eastern Michigan of six years ago. That is true. This is the Eastern Michigan team that's is pretty good, probably probably should make a bowl game, I'm thinking. But the Aztecs, they're, they're definitely going to be in the mix. Yeah, yeah they, they should be in there. But I guess the biggest thing is this, like you said, secondary. If they can get to the quarterback, great, sack him, knock the ball down. But they can't get beat deep because they want to go deep. They have guys like everybody on their team. It's like they have all these guys, fifteen yards or more per per catch. They have all these deep passes. Like they have what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. At least I'll look more specifically, but at least eight passes of twenty plus more yards completed. Mm-hmm. They move the ball downfield, and they Aztecs need to either tighten up the secondary or get a pass rush. One or the other, both preferably, obviously, but one or the other would be nice. <laughs> I have a feeling it's going to be a really big game for someone like Chibu Onyeyuku. What's he going to do, you think? I mean, I think that given the fact that Eastern Michigan has struggled a bit with protecting the passer even despite their big play capabilities, I just kind of think that this is going to be a really favorable matchup for that defensive line. And Onyeyuku, at least through the first couple of games, you know, he does have one and a half sacks, which is second on the team behind uh, Kaiba Tizino, who, 
by the way, he might be another guy that's in line for a big game. But I just think that when you look at the Eastern Michigan line, one thing that jumps out is they are starting a freshman at left tackle. And he's been the starter since day one, City Sow. He's a big dude, 6'5", 335 pounds. But I do think that this defense, the 3-3-5, could give him some trouble. And so if they put pressure on that side of the line, I wouldn't be surprised if it ultimately collapsed. Interesting. That Yeah, at first been playing out there against what Rocky Long, what they like to do defensively, That's uh, that could spell trouble. Also, back to the quarterback really quick. Eastern Michigan, as a team, over their attempt of the country over ten yards per attempt. It's pretty good. So that's around. That's just behind Hawaii. Army is skewed because they're up there as well, just because. But like mm-hmm. you have Toledo, West Virginia, Oklahoma, Alabama. They're top ten team in ten yards per attempt, which is a uh, solid. And then also, isn't a Juan Washington banged up a little bit? A little bit, yeah. Last I heard, he was dealing with a turf toe issue. Okay. So this might ultimately be a big moment for someone like Chase Jasmine. Who's, who, yes, he, well. he stepped up, answered the bell last week, went over 100 yards. And honestly, another thing that wouldn't surprise me is if he went over 100 yards again. Because you know Eastern Michigan does have some playmakers in their front seven. One guy to keep an eye on who's been a little bit quiet so far this year is Max Crosby. He only has a tackle and a half for loss, but I think... If I remember correctly, he was one of their, if not their only, all-MAC defensive selection. So he's the guy they're going to have to account for. But, I mean, if you're like me and you saw that uh, that 10-second clip that Jeff Schwartz was breaking down the other day on Twitter mm-hmm. where uh, Ryan Pope and Tyler Romer were just treating Arizona State defenders like ragdolls, <laughs> you know, you might, you might say, yeah, Eastern Michigan's got talent in the front seven, but I think we got this. Yeah, I think, yeah. Shane Diego State, they, they know what they're doing back there. Um, So let's go back to Ryan Agnew real quick. Do you think he's going to have a – because I've said, like, I remember – I'm rambling here, but remember they had to bring the punter on a couple springs ago when Chapman was going to play to actually be a guy to throw the ball? Is it safe to say – because I see our buddy Ted and other guys, I'm part of some, like, San Diego State group for some reason on Facebook, so they chat about stuff. <laughs> like, they're obviously pro-Aztecs for what group it is, so we share some of our stuff over there time to time. He's better than I thought he would be. But then again, remember, he also um, was only 12 or 24. True. I think it all depends on how you look at it Mm -hmm. because at least you didn't turn the ball over. There's that. And it's like all he needs to do, like I don't want to put expectations low, but if he does what Chapman does, who does great jobs, and he had a drive or two in the game where he moved the ball down the field. Again, it's two things. This offense isn't going to have any quarterback go throw 30-plus times. There's something wrong if that's the case. First of all, because they want to run the ball with whoever it's Washington or Jasmine or whoever back there taking the ball and running for 100-plus yards each. He would, for me, for what I want to see him to do is basically um, do what he did two weeks ago but have no interceptions for Sac State. Like if he goes 11-17 for 160 and a touchdown, that's fine. Well, here's another, th- here's another thing to keep in mind, too is that he also contributes a little more with his legs mm-hmm. than Chapman did too. And if after you adjust for sacks, you know, he's only had 11 carries in the first couple of games, but he's averaging about 5.8 yards per carry, which is not nothing. And it gives defenses something else to think about besides just Washington and Jasmine out of the backfield. 
or it's not nothing. It's half a first down every time he runs the ball, five yards. Yeah. So it's yeah, that's something to Chapman. I don't have his numbers in front of me, but he was not a guy to run. He's and, not. And this doesn't mean Agnew's going to take off and run. He does have at least two over ten yards this year so far. So, but if he gets four yards here, eight yards here, on say he gets like last week, he had nine rushes for thirty six before sack adjustment. So if he just gets, give me twenty five yards from him on the ground. That's a, that's a pretty good deal. Give me like here's what I'd like to see. Give me two hundred total yards. Like maybe one seventy five and twenty five. I really don't think they're gonna ask him to do that much though. Well I'm just saying throwing for one seventy five, why why is that that doesn't seem too I guess that'd be a season high, but I don't know, one seventy and thirty. I, I just think he maybe you're right, but he will he'll probably throw what, fifteen times? I'm guessing fifteen to twenty, which is typical. What do you want him to go like twelve of twenty? Eight uh, nine of fifteen, nine of fourteen, something like that? Honestly, I just want him to not turn the ball over. <laughs> okay, that, that's fair. Just give I mean, the ball to running I think back. Here, here's one of the most telling things, and I think that TeamRankings.com accounts for FCS competition for some reason. But thorough, see, that's what they are. They're thorough. Yeah, but when you look at the when you look at the run pass ratio of of every FBS team so far this year, the only team that's thrown less than San Diego State so far in the conference is Air Force. They've only thrown it 32.4% of the time. 32.14, excuse me. So, no, they're not going to let Ch- they're not going to let Agnew throw it 25 times if they can help it. They're going to give Jasmine and Washington I would say somewhere between 40 and 50 carries if they can handle it. What they have last week, they combined for 40, right? Just about. I don't have that number in front of me. I remember we were joking about 30. He didn't have quite 30, but they're going to run. It's, it's that yeah. shouldn't be out of the, I, they yeah. probably, on the year. They have 114 carries between them. Yeah. That's uh, it, it probably should throw more than that percentage a little bit, but I don't think they will though. They won't, but I think, I think getting to 38% would be good. They actually yeah, 27 and 19 last week. So what's that? 38, mm-hmm. 36, excuse me. So, or no 46. Excuse me. My math is terrible again. So you're right. They'll, 40 to probably 40 to 50 times, especially if Washington's banged up a little bit. Maybe Jasmine will, the split will be closer, more 50 50. But do you, like, Eastern Michigan, they're not terrible, but there's a reason Aztecs are almost a two touchdown favorite. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think ultimately San Diego State's going to play their game, and I think it's going to work out for them. It's probably not going to be terribly exciting to watch unless you're a fan of ground and pound. <laughs> so. I don't know if we're moving to predictions yet or not. Let's go for it. Why not? Because they've improved in Stanford. Sac State was terrible. I'll say this. I wanted to be a more consistent game because the two picks, obviously, Agnew, I don't want to see that again. If he gets one pick, that's not the end of the world. It's better than two for Sac State. He's actually had a – here's the thing, too, we should consider. He came in mid-game for Sac State, which is not jarring, but it's like, oh, crap, I'm playing. And mm-hmm. he's, it's just you're not – prepared the same as your starter he knows he's a starter last week versus arizona arizona state did okay no picks had the 30 plus yards 50 percent completion he has another full week against a team that's not as good as arizona state so i'd expect him to be gradually get better not that they're going to give him more to do but he's going to be better than 50 percent. and so i think he i'm hoping or he should have a better game than last week whether it's just completing 60 percent of his passes maybe another touchdown or something but that's what I want to see from him, and they're gonna. I'm gonna go if we're going at ten and a half. I'm gonna go Aztecs to cover both. Even if it's twelve, I'd probably do the same thing. 
So what? What's your final score? Oh, score! I score too. I need a score as well. Um, I think it'll be. I think Eastern Michigan can get a few points on here because they're the deep threat. I think that's always a possibility. I'm gonna go because over under is only fifty and a half, which is pretty low. I'm gonna say it's gonna be like twenty eight seventeen, which barely cut, which um, barely gets me past that ten and a half from our initial picks this morning. <laughs> yeah, I think personally, I would take Eastern Michigan to cover at ten and a half. At ten and a half. Okay. But I would take the Aztecs to win. I'm gonna say twenty four to seventeen. Okay. All right, fine. now it's the final game. Am I correct on this? Is this the That last is one? correct. Duquesne travels to Hawaii, FCS team, going out to the island. It's a late kick. It's, what, 9 o'clock Pacific, streaming on Watch Stadium if you're in the States. I guess you can't put it on your TV, but I'm wondering if you can bypass if you have a Chromecast and maybe instead of doing the Chromecast itself to, like, cast your screen. I, need I have to, no idea. I need to try that because I know when they try to disable stuff, you could still do um, – do you ever use Chromecast or anything like that, Matt? That, that, oh, yeah. So, you know, you have the little button in the corner that cast it to the screen? Mm-hmm. You can do that, but sometimes that's disabled, like this probably would be. But if you you can actually cast your screen, like put your phone on there and look at any page, say internet, text messages, whatever, mm-hmm. maybe just cast your screen. So just a little workaround if you want to actually watch it on the TV. So there's that. And Hawaii is 3-1. and one. And you chatted with, really quick, a guy from Duquesne. What were like his uh, thoughts on, or what were your questions you had, what they answered? Well, be on the lookout for that uh, tomorrow, which is Friday, depending on when you're listening to this. It's out, yeah, Friday. I was going to say something else, but no, check Friday. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Duquesne's kind of an interesting team because they've played pretty well so far this year. And yeah, you could say it's an FPS, FCS team rather. But they did have close wins against Valparaiso and Dayton in the last couple of weeks. And they do have some playmakers on their offense that Hawaii is going to have to account for. You know, for me, the one guy that stood out is Nahari Crawford. And if you haven't read the preview with uh, Parker Hurley of Pittsburgh Sports Now, I believe he's actually a contributor at Steelers Wire, Hmm. if I'm not mistaken. One of our other USA Today blogs. Go check that out if you want. But Crawford's a guy with big playability, and he's kind of a shifty guy, kind of a small guy. The one, the one player that he compared him to was Christian Kirk, who was formerly of Texas A&M. Now he's with the Arizona Cardinals, a guy they can move around, create matchups with, and at least within the first four games, you know he's averaging over 18 yards a catch, and he has five touchdowns. Yeah, so that is something that Hawaii is going to have to account for. And they do have a quarterback in Daniel Parr, who you may recall did start for a little while last year uh, for Florida Atlantic. He transferred. He's at Duquesne now. He's completing about two-thirds of his passes. He has six touchdowns against five interceptions. And it seemed like the big key is the health of A.J. Hines, their leading rusher so far. Because he's averaging about five and a half yards per carry. He, too, has five touchdowns. But I guess his status is kind of up in the air for the moment because he did get banged up a little bit last week against Dayton. So that's something to keep an eye on, especially when you consider that Hawaii's been a little bit uneven as far as just avoiding big plays. So, okay, that's good to know. They got St. Christian Kirk, that's pretty high praise. He has a high draft pick, too. So Yeah, he's pretty pretty good. Just, Just saying. So I... It could be oh, and by the oh, by the way, oh. Crawford, Crawford, I believe, if I remember correctly, he led the FCS in touchdowns last year. Okay, so it's not a so, slouch. 
So, no, he's not a slouch. <laughs> and from what we see in this Hawaii defense, be ready because teams can throw the ball against them. Yeah. I mean, I think the good thing for Hawaii is that Duquesne's defense is, you know, it's okay. Um, if you're a Boise State fan, for instance, you might remember the name Reed Harrison Ducross. Mm-hmm. He is a part of the Duquesne secondary now. And yeah, Hurley did talk very highly of their trio of cornerbacks they have. Uh, Harrison Ducross, Jonathan Estash, and I'm trying to remember the last guy's name. Like it's it's escaping me right now. Brandon Stanback, I think, was the other guy. Um, but all three of those guys are going to play a role. But I I would say that based on what we've seen so far from the Hawaii offense, they're going to have their hands full with John Ursua and Cedric Burden company. So I'm expecting Hawaii to be able to move the ball. I'm expecting them to create big plays the same way that we've seen them in the first month. But I also wouldn't be surprised if Duquesne is able to keep up at least for a little while. I would think so because, like I said, the season, what the passing teams have done against the Warrior defense. Yeah. So, um, sorry. I'm getting, I, oh, let me give you a quick Twitter, Twitter update. We did pass 2,200 in the past half hour. High five. So high five to – should we list off some Twitter followers here who gave us a follow here? No, we're just giving a high five to everybody. That's fine. Okay, no, no big deal. I won't give him credit. Remember that Matt does not want to give you credit on the podcast. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm going to send a thank you to everybody. I'm kidding. We're we're sitting in hour ten and we had like six games. So I was just, yeah. I just happened to see that. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Um, all right. So, yes. Yeah, so what I, what I was saying, the Hawaii defense better be ready because look at the passing attack through the first couple weeks of the year. They've been giving up way too many points and yards in the air. And that's going to be a concern where you're right, where Duquesne could stick around for part of the game. But I'm expecting a Utah State-type blowout in this game. I'm going to say it. Like Tennessee Tech-type game. Okay. All right. What's your, what's your score? I'm going to go 60-21. to 21. Ooh, wow. I don't know if I'm going to be quite so bold, but I am expecting another pretty big win for Hawaii. I'm going to say 40... 48 to 20. Okay. That sounds about right. That does. And what I'm getting at, it's like it's a slow burn. It's like 14, you're up 14, 7, 28. You know what I mean? Something like that where it's yeah. not that it's close, but it's like a consistent, we're just going to score 20, 14 points a quarter and you can't stop us. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else you need to add this week? Um, that's it for the games. We've gone a good, you're welcome, 70 minutes on a podcast with half the amount of teams we normally do. So I think we're pretty much good to go. We are good to go. So, again, check us out on uh, mwwire.com, Facebook, uh, Mountainous Wire, Twitter, MWC Wire. I'm currently retweeting the Nevada basketball schedule because a lot of games are announced on ESPN. So, that's what our Twitter feed at the moment is being filled up with. So, you're welcome for that, too, I guess. And be on the lookout very soon for our basketball top 25 if that's your jam. Oh, that's right. Well, I guess a little housekeeping. We'll start that. I'm not sure when. I submitted mine the other day. Um, we're going to record our first basketball podcast i believe sunday night but we're going to release i think two weeks starting the first week of october and it's utah state is the first one then i believe colorado state i believe is number two so very cool get those questions in and again subscribe tune in blog talk radio stitcher itunes basically wherever fine podcasts are sold get ours for free because we're always free on the podcast so fine and unfine alike (laughs) exactly all right so we'll guess we'll see you guys this sunday night and uh, have a good weekend folks